0: All right. What's up, everybody? Today, I have a fantastic podcast episode for you with Rebecca Miller. She's a course student of Civil Engineering Academy, or PE review program. It was able to pass her PE, but kind of had a non-traditional route in order to become a professional engineer and even for the company she works for. She earned her degree in physics and mathematics, found her way into structural engineering, worked in the power delivery side doing transmission engineering, and connected actually by listening to a previous podcast guest and learned really the why behind everything going on in her world and how she ended up working for a technology company, Reza and Reza 3 d and doing instruction for them, teaching how to use that program while being remote. So it's a fascinating journey that she has. There's a lot in here to unpack. Maybe your route into what you want to do is a little untraditional, And if it's um, that way, that's okay. And so we talk about all of that, from her journey to taking the FE, to passing the PE and everything in between. So uh, without further ado, I'll bring on our next guest, Rebecca Miller. You're really gonna enjoy this and we'll see you in a few minutes.
1: Hey, before we continue, I wanted to jump in and let you know about our awesome FE review course. If you are still in the hunt for passing your FE exam, we have the resource for you. Come check out the ultimate civil FA review course built by me and my brother, Mark. We go through lectures. We go through tons of practice problems, video practice problems. You get downloads of everything and we walk you step-by-step through the process to help ACE the Civil FE exam. We have lots of options for you to check out, so go check it out at CivilFEReviewCourse.com. We love to support and help you in that journey, and we're confident that we have the course that will help you on it. So go check it out at CivilFEReviewCourse.com guys, if you haven't already, I want to let you know about our awesome newsletter. If you haven't signed up for the Civil Engineering Academy newsletter, seriously, what's wrong with you? I'm just kidding. Go check it out, though. You'll get all the latest episodes that we produce, blog articles, exams, discounts, course material. All this fun stuff is through our newsletter. So if you haven't signed up, go check it out. That's civilengineeringacademy.com newsletter. You'll be taken. Go sign up. And uh, you'll start getting our fun newsletters that we send out usually once a week. So go check it out, civilengineeringacademy.com slash newsletter and go sign up.
0: All right, we are up and running. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me today on the Civil Engineering Academy podcast.
2: Yeah, you're welcome. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm excited too. I think you work for a fun place. I'm excited to hear about your experience. You're also a previous course student of our PE course, so we're excited yeah. to talk about that. I always kick these off just kind of asking how you found yourself into civil engineering in general. Why was this the route you chose? And maybe any challenges or that you had on the way?
2: For sure. Yeah. So I feel like many engineers, I was interested in math and science kind of early on. So I feel like Professors, teachers, whatever have you, like they're always like, Oh, you should consider engineering. So early even in high school, that was kind of in my mind that oh I, yeah, I'm interested in this. But um I also played hockey and wanted to play in college. So I had kind of a I don't know, like unique interests in how do I go to school for engineering and also play hockey. I was a goalie and I wasn't quite like division one level. So, you know, you kind of have to make a choice there. So right off the bat, I went to college that didn't have engineering as an option so that I could play hockey. And so right away, there's kind of just a little bit of a unique path. A lot of colleges like that will offer like a 3-2 program option where you can do three years of like a science degree and then do two years of engineering at like an ABEIT accredited university. Finish up your degree that way. So, that was kind of like proposed to me early on. I was kind of against the whole, oh, five years of school to just get like my undergraduate degree. So, I think one theme that's kind of come up for me is just having this like non traditional path and this non traditional background. So, what I ended up doing was um, getting degrees in physics and math. So graduated with those degrees. And while I was doing that, because I went to Concordia College in Moorhead, Minnesota, we're by North Dakota State University in Fargo, North Dakota. And we had this program where you could take classes there as well as part of your curriculum. So I could take my introductory engineering classes while I was pursuing my physics and math degrees. So I finished up school that way and then actually went right into the master's program at the University of Minnesota because I had those courses done already. Kind of had to like really advocate for myself on, yeah, I don't have this traditional background with my degrees, but this is what I'm planning to do. So in the long run, it worked out really well for me. Went, got my master's in structural engineering, did like a research-based approach to that, and then was able to, you know, start working right after grad school. One thing that that really played a big role in was like the PE consideration. So when you have that non-traditional background, you just have different rules and regulations for the experience requirements. So for Minnesota, for example, I think it's like three years of experience if you have a master's degree, but that's also with the undergraduate degree. So I just had to like really do a lot of research on my own to figure out all those requirements. Yeah, I think a big thing there was just always viewing it as a strength, where especially like starting out in the industry, people might look at, well, you know, you're not that typical engineering student. That's not your background. But I always just chose to look at that from what strengths that brought that I had this diverse background and that always worked out really well for me. Another challenge, I guess, with like the PE is studying at the time, I had to know, even for the Effie, know all of the breadth topics. And so I had to learn everything like water resources, all of that kind of on my own, just because I didn't get some of that curriculum. I got everything I needed you know, to pursue structural, but there was just a little bit of gap there that I had to um, research on my own. But that was kind of like how I got into the industry. And then right away, early in my career, I started in power delivery, so transmission line design. Did that for a couple years. And then kind of started asking like more questions about what I wanted long term for my career. Um, I actually read the book She Engineers by Stephanie Slocum. And I liked a lot of the questions that she encouraged you to ask. Like, what are your strengths? And how do you figure out how your career fits with your life? And at the time, uh, I was commuting like really far to work. And my husband, who's also an engineer, was in a remote position where he travels and kind of worked from home. And so about six months before COVID, I was kind of like... I really want to work remote. How do I make that happen? And that was really rare in our industry. So again, it was kind of time to look for something a little bit non-traditional. I ended up for a little while doing some work, doing like technical editing for engineering research, because I wanted to be able to use my background and kind of contribute still to engineering, but just had some life goals and things that just didn't fit with kind of commuting as far and things like that. And then, as you would know, six months later, everyone was working from home. And while there was like, you know, negative sides to COVID, for me personally, I think it really just opened up a whole new world of positions being available. And so since then, I've kind of transitioned now into the role I'm at with Risa. So Risa is a software company, Um, structural engineers out there. A lot of you are probably familiar with us, but just kind of your main like structural analysis and design software. We have like Risa 3D other programs as well. But right now I am a technical trainer for RISA. And so I teach trainings and I feel like it was kind of like a, you know, some people are in a career and they stay at the same company for X number of years. I had a lot of changes that I made early on in my career, but I think for me that really proved to be a strength as well, because I just picked up a lot of different skills that I think are helpful for me in this role. And then the other thing that I feel like came out of COVID for a lot of people was I had a side hustle as like a creative venture, I guess. It's totally unrelated to engineering. I had an online shop, ended up selling hand poured candles. I wasn't into like the making of the candles as much, but loved the business background of it. Really like learned a lot there and then also ended up teaching candle making classes like locally at wineries and breweries. And I think that was actually one of the biggest things that helped me when I ended up finding this role as a technical trainer at Risa. It's like, oh, teaching people things like, yeah, I've already been doing that, even though it wasn't related to engineering. So it kind of all really came full circle for me to find myself in the role that I'm in now.
0: That's amazing.
2: (laughs) It's a long-winded version.
0: (laughs) There's a lot to unpack there. (laughs) I love it. I think engineers are like this 360 degree person. You know, you're not just an engineer. I love hearing that you were doing something on the side. I mean, to be honest with you, Civil Engineering Academy, I have this whole thing, if I'm a side of the stuff I, I do as a career as well. And I find value in helping other people. It's super fun to see when people talk to their exams and we've been able to help them with that a little bit, but candle making, that's awesome. So <laughs> are you still doing that? You got still?
2: It's still going on. I also have a seven month old, so not as much energy goes into the side hustle at the moment, but it took off like locally and in some other States, I had candles in some shops. I have an online... Decide and yeah, I definitely enjoyed the business side of it, so it was a fun adventure there. (laughs)
0: Love hearing that. I'll have to, I gotta bug you with some questions. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) So, uh, so let's go back to the FE a little bit. So, Mm -hmm. did you take the FE while you were in school, or did you have to?
2: I took it towards the end of like grad school. So I believe it was my last semester of grad school was when I took that. And I had to do a lot of studying on the side for, you know, water resources. I had some like geotechnical background from the courses I took, but everything else was pretty much self-taught at that point. So, yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean, the FE, a lot of people say the FE is harder than the the PE. <laughs> so you knew the PE was coming. You got the FE done while you're in school. Well, let's talk about the PE, I guess, a little bit more. you were a member of our course, so I guess I wanted to ask, how did you find the course? How did it help you?
2: Yeah. So I definitely feel like the videos on, especially, like I said, water resources, things like that, like I had to learn it. I never had the college course. So those type of topics, I think it was really helpful for me to sit down in a course like environment and then learn that, kind of get up to speed with everything I needed to know. I think my favorite thing from the course was definitely the practice exams. I found them to be kind of the most realistic to what I saw on the test when I look back at it. And just for me personally, like my biggest advice or best approach to studying is like, just do practice problems, do the practice exams. And I kind of did multiple approaches. Like I'm going to sit down and do a whole test this weekend, but I found that what worked the best for me was getting through a lot of number of problems, but really making sure that you stop to spend the time and review them and know why, you know, you got something wrong. And I think that's where even the videos, you know, for practice problems and things that you guys provide are super helpful.
0: Yeah, we have a ton of support to me and the team are there to help support people. So if you do have questions and you get access to our community or email, we're around ready to help you. So the PE is changing. It's changing in April of 24. I'm curious what your thoughts are on the changes. I know I voiced some opinions on LinkedIn, but we're revamping everything to, to fall in line with that. But I'm just curious what your thoughts are.
2: I definitely think being that I have such like a wider background, except for it was in engineering. So I found a lot of use in like my physics and math background. And I saw that as a strength for myself. So I definitely think when, you know, you're taking an exam and you have that breadth knowledge, you are kind of a better engineer when you know a little bit about those topics. There's obviously plenty of topics as a structural engineer that we're using from that AM portion. For me, personally, I could have gone with like less water resources or things like that. So I kind of see it both ways. I think um, it kind of depends on like how easy is that morning section going to be, even though it's just all like for me, it would have just been all structural. Would those been all structural and easy? Okay, that could be easier maybe. I'm definitely curious to see what that looks like. It seems like there's just been a lot of change in general since I know like I took it computer-based, but my husband did the pen and paper version. So it just seems like there's a lot of changes overall in the last, I don't know, few years. So... Mm -hmm. I'll be curious to see how that turns out for people.
0: i just curious your thoughts on that. Let's back up a little bit. I loved hearing that you were in the power delivery. How many years did you do transmission?
2: Just like over two years. You know, it was a really great role right out of school. I think part of me was commuting really far. So that was kind of where I was like, okay, I don't love my commute. And then I think also wanting just more like a variety of experience. So when I made that switch, part of it was you know, wanting to be remote if I could. And the other side was just wanting more variety in my experience, whether it was built, like as I interned doing more building and industrial design and things like that. And I think there's kind of two routes I feel like you can take early on in your career. You can really specialize and that can be super valuable. Like if you're trying to switch companies later on or something like that or i think you can really try to get a variety of experience and that also has its own place and its own merit i guess and i know for me kind of having a little bit of knowledge in different areas is helpful in my current role with my trainings yeah did that for 2 years and i enjoyed it but wanted to build the experience a little bit something more i also um did actually attended training i used pls cad a lot so attended training for them and i think it's kind of funny kind of coming full circle like now i teach something like that that I attended back then.
0: That's hilarious. And that's kind of my background. You know, I've been involved in the T-Line roles for a long time. Now I'm on the operations side, which is different to where I just wanted to hear your opinion on that. There's a lot of T-Line roles now that are all remote, kind of depends on where you, you land. But yeah, I definitely get that. How did you end up working for a tech company? I think there's probably a lot of civil engineers that want to do more in the tech world. And tech seems to be a rising, I don't want to say industry, but it seems like more and more engineers are being required to be more involved on the technology side, whether it's programming and programs or understanding the software and having people teach it. Even like PLS CAD, like you mentioned, with transmit. Mm-hmm. how did this position pop up? How did you feel like I, I can do this?
2: About the time when I was putting in all the effort to studying and like I had mentioned, just when remote roles in engineering weren't a thing, I had to kind of figure out what kind of, how do you make your life goals and what you want? match with your career goals? And I think that's like a big question that was asked even in like Stephanie's book, She Engineers. So I was kind of always in the back of my head, what do I want like my day-to-day you know, routine to look like? What does my focused work sessions look like? And that's kind of why I went into more of the remote space. But as I was getting ready to take the PE and kind of putting in all that effort, I was like, you know, I really want to be heavily involved more in the structural industry, but I'm not really sure where I want that to be. And so what I actually started doing couple different things. One thing I actually was listening to this podcast a lot, I think in remote roles, you sometimes don't get like the FaceTime with people in the office that you might've gotten previously. And there, you know, there's pros and cons to all of it. And I just, participate and hear more engineering conversations that I maybe was missing out on. And that's where listening to this podcast was super helpful. And you interviewed Stephanie, I kind of that refreshed my memory on, oh yeah, I should connect with her. So really networking, I'd reached out to Stephanie and kind of sat down and even had her work with me as a coach for a little while to just help me figure out, You know, what do I want out of my career? Asking some good questions to just figure out what a good path would be. And then uh, LinkedIn, I searched positions constantly just to see what was out there. I would apply to things, even if I didn't know if it was a perfect fit, I would try to get conversations started. And I think people are sometimes scared to like, waste someone's time even or ask questions. And even early in my career, coming back to the physics background, I had a really good mentor in my life who was a structural engineer. He kind of got me into it. And then he encouraged me to come sit down with some of the engineers at his company who had a similar background. One of them was a physics major and it just helped me learn from them. And I think there's a lot of value in just sitting down with someone for information. And I think we need to do more of that. Like... Are you interested in software? Then sit down and ask someone what their day-to-day life looks like. What are they actually doing for work? And so I started networking, looking on LinkedIn. And it was really just through connections on LinkedIn that I found an opening for... It was like... It's um, actually Brian Quinn with SE Impact. He does a lot of recruiting for different companies. Um, Some are structural roles. There's other roles as well. So I definitely encourage people to connect with him. I sat down with him like virtually and he was the one who was actually hiring for Risa. And... I even sat with him and just talked about, you know, what am I looking for in my career? What openings does he know about right now? And that is what actually linked me with Risa. And I think the other cool thing is it is actually such a small world because Stephanie ended up knowing Amber, our CEO at Risa, and Brian knows all of them really well. And so it's just networking can do a lot more than people give it credit to. And especially if you are remote or maybe you're looking for something that's not just your local group of engineers. Virtual meetings can be great to spark those conversations. So really, it was just me getting more clarity on what I'm looking for, for in a career and then just making connections with people and having those conversations to help flesh out some of those details really ended up landing in this position that when I look back on it now, I'm like, oh, that was kind of a perfect fit. It took everything I'd been doing and was a good find.
0: That's awesome. I admire your your ambition and the tenacity to like do this and get after it. So that's awesome i bet a lot of questions, uh, Well, maybe a, a big question on engineered mind is, does working for a tech company pay more than maybe working as a traditional civil engineer? Is it a better deal?
2: I think it's pretty comparable. Maybe you would expect, so like I'm out of Minnesota working remote, my company's out of California, but I would say that, you know, it's pretty comparable to what I would be making, doing more of the structural design work that I'm doing now. I mean, it's a different realm, but... We're still engineers.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, this is a pretty male-dominated field. So I'm curious, what was your experience like coming to your school, working? Did, Did you have any bumps in the road? Or what advice would you have for other women considering jumping into the field?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think you just really have to be confident and know your worth. Like I said, I had a different background, but I just thought of view it as a strength. I think also kind of like being a hockey player, that's kind of a male dominated, you know, path as well. So I've always almost just saw myself more like in competition with the boys always. And my husband's an engineer. And so I would say I almost was less aware of like that. I need to be different. It works to my benefit in some instances, but I do think it's interesting to me to just see the number of engineers that I interact with. Even now doing trainings, I'm sitting down with like anywhere from 20 to, I don't know, 50 people a month, maybe more virtually that I'm connecting with. And just kind of broadening my network that way. And obviously, it is a male dominated field, but I'm actually connecting with a lot of females in the industry and it's fun. So I just think, you know, know your worth and be confident. And what's the difference?
0: Do <laughs> you, you still play <laughs> yeah. hockey?
2: So I did up until I got pregnant with my son and who's now seven months. So I haven't put skates on again since then, but <laughs>
0: that's awesome. Oh, man. Well, I know people in Minnesota. I work for a company that was out of Minnesota. I don't hear an accent, right? On?
2: So if you get me to say roof or bag or any of those, then it comes out. One of our trainings, I'm putting, let's put loads on the roof and I keep getting made fun of for how I say it. So it comes out a little bit.
1: <laughs> so funny. Well,
0: uh, maybe we could back up a little bit to the PE exam. Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips, advice uh, that you would give? I mean, you mentioned practice exams and things of that nature, but was there any something that surprised you on the exam that maybe people could be aware of on this? Event?
2: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is like going in with a confident attitude. I think a lot of people can get more like anxious about test taking. When I was talking with Stephanie, she had recommended the book "The Gap and the Gain," and it's kind of about like focusing on the wins and the gains every day and just having that mindset versus getting caught up in like what you haven't accomplished yet. And I found that really helpful starting like my career at Risa. There was a lot to learn. So focusing on everything that has gone well versus like when you're studying I mean, if you focus on, yeah, I've done X number of problems and I feel really good about it. Like at the end of the day, you can still feel like, oh, I didn't touch this topic or I didn't get as much time on. You're never going to feel done studying. So I think if you can really just focus on, you know, how much you've accomplished, I think you can go in with a little bit more of a confident attitude because a lot of it is kind of, if you've sat down and you've put in the time, it's kind of more of just like a mind game at that point, you know, you need to be able to show up and be confident. The other thing that I think would be really helpful is for me personally, like RISA software. If you're using like our program, RISA 3D, you can draw in like a beam or draw in a moment frame, add some load, and you can animate it to look at the deflected shape or look at all the moment diagrams. And that's something that I think, you know, you're getting that in your experience in whatever you're doing for your career. And that's going to help you in the PE exam, especially that afternoon session, if you're in structural But I just think using like no matter what industry you're in, use your software or what you're doing in work to really help you kind of study and learn more of the conceptual problems. I think that's kind of not given enough credit that you're learning every day at work and kind of use what you can to help with those, you know, understanding those concepts.
0: That's awesome. Great advice. Great tips. If anybody does need help, come check us out.
2: For sure. And that's the thing. You're giving people like the video on how to do something. You're really helping with that concept, the conceptual problems. I think being able to listen to someone talk through that is like super helpful.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, with the new changes coming online, I know people are pretty anxious about that, but there's still engineering topics. There's still topics that are not going to change really much over time. Um, you know, as long as you're putting in the effort to practice and do problems, then I think you're going to be okay. So, that's
2: yeah. What the and- changes are. And the other thing I would say too is one thing I've found really helpful as I'm preparing to teach people in trainings, I'm realizing how much I learn when I'm preparing to teach I mean, because obviously if you're teaching, you really need to know material well. So if you're studying at the end of the day, like don't make it just about I sat down and I did that problem. See if you can explain it to someone else or if you can write it up on a whiteboard or on a piece of paper. And I think if you're saying something out loud or trying to go through the mindset of like, I need to be able to teach this to someone else. I think you just learn a lot more and retain a lot more information that way. And I've almost learned that after the fact that that would have probably been even more helpful when studying.
0: Yeah, it's funny you say that because when people ask me questions about how do I study for theory problems, because I mean, they can ask whatever they want in any topic and you know, I could give you a hundred different problems to solve and it's not going to be what they ask you on the exam. But if you go through problems and maybe you act like a teacher, maybe think about a problem differently. How would you word this problem as a theory problem? How could you take this example? Maybe it's a conceptual problem. I don't know what it is. reword it and make it a theory problem. Well, Rebecca, this has been super fun. I think your path to where you're at has been really interesting. I love hearing your background and everything that's going on. And as a previous student of the course, that's been fun to talk about as well. So congratulations on everything going on in your life. Thank you. Yeah. Do you have any last second tips for anybody, whether it's passing the PE or maybe even someone that wants to follow a similar path as you? Any tips for them?
2: I would say like when it comes to your career, uh, really just kind of having like a why, like what's important to you in your life, how do you match your career to that, I think is really, really important. And just you know, leverage your strengths and network because that's kind of, I think when you put a lot of time into that, then later on in your career, you can find yourself in a position that feels like a really good fit for you the way I feel like I'm a good fit in the role I'm in. And I think that's what everyone wants at the end of the day is just to really enjoy how they're spending their time and also not to get bogged down in that you have to follow like a traditional engineering path. I think that with whether it's remote work or different positions that are available, there's just a lot more options out there for how you can use your engineering experience. So don't be afraid to be stuck in one direction and kind of look for different ways you can use that
0: background. Fantastic. And if our audience wanted to connect with you, what's the best way to connect with you if they to reach down?
2: I'm on LinkedIn a lot. So feel free to connect on LinkedIn. That's just Rebecca Miller I'm working for RESA. So you should be able to find me there.
0: Sounds great. And Rebecca, thanks for doing this with me. Hope you have a great day.
2: Yeah, you as well. Thanks so much.
1: Hey, thanks again for listening to the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. Thanks for joining me today. If you want, please leave a review or a comment or a like. They definitely go a long way and share it with a friend because why not? It helps. Hey, if you're interested in becoming a guest, feel free to shoot me an email, Isaac at civilengineeringacademy.com. And if you know anyone or yourself personally, definitely check out our website, civilengineeringacademy.com, where we can help you on your journey to become a professional engineer, whether that's to help you pass your FE or your PE, or just get great career advice. And if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of this podcast and have an amazing outreach to other civil engineers, also shoot me an email and we'll be there to help you. Anyway, thanks for joining me today and we'll see you in the next one. Bye.